Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, we are filming season three of the Honey and Hustle podcast live at the Durham Bottling Co. right in downtown Durham. We're about to get into a great conversation, but before we do that, I'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to share this episode with someone who you think might get some value from it. Feel free to tag me on the podcast on social media, and I'll be sure to put those links on the video and in the description below. If you're listening to the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. It helps others find the show and lets me know how I'm doing at this video podcast thing. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to check out our affiliate links, shop our merch, and subscribe to the Honeypot newsletter and this YouTube channel, all at the links in the description. Without further ado, let's get into it. Thank okay. you so much for joining me here today at the American Underground. So we're in a slightly different space than we're usually in, um, trying out something different. We have some audio-treated panels. We'll see if that makes a difference. Um, but more more so than that, Joy here is <laughs> joining me today from Virtual Events, and she does so much more than that. She has been around for a long time doing incredible things in Durham, making space for all types of people to see themselves and have fun and hopefully maybe have more fun than they thought they were going to have. Yeah. And again, we are in Durham, and Joy is just a really great example of people who have built off the legacy of Black Wall Street, quite from not just proximity, but also through family legacy. So I don't want to spoil this story for you guys. I want to hear it from from Joy, (laughs) (laughs) how her family legacy of entrepreneurship has kind of led her to be the serial entrepreneur that she is now. Yeah. So hi, everyone. Um, I'm Joy Spate um, from Virtue Events and uh, Spate's Auto Service Center. Um, which is our family business stemming all the way back to Black Wall Street. Um, the Spate family has been in Durham, uh, I don't know how long at this <laughs> point, um, probably just shy of 100 years. Um, and my grandfather was um, one of the financiers of a lot of the businesses that were known as Black Wall Street. And so I came up in a family of entrepreneurs um, and yeah, like everyone, all of my siblings have their own companies, um, thriving businesses. And um, I happened to be the one that like stepped out and was like, oh, I'm going to plan parties and (laughs) bring people together. And yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) But yeah, we actually plan um, events 
from New York all the way to South Florida. Um, weddings, conferences, retreats, um, similarly music festivals. We work with nonprofits. Um, we work with social events. Really, our main goal is to bring people together mm-hmm. and um, to create opportunities of equity and connection mm-hmm. and bring people that typically would not be together mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Um, and that's how the conversations start, yeah. right, is proximity mm-hmm. and space. And so um, that's just a passion of mine is to see people like literally connect. Yeah. And without it be and it be authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to jump off the deep end a little bit here. Oh, and boy. We'll, we'll work our way back to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, when you say bring people together, so I'm not originally from North Carolina, okay. not from Durham. I'm from born in Georgia, raised in Alabama. And now I'm here and I'm a part of a lot of people who have moved here mm-hmm. within the last three to five years. And then now we're, you know, hearing from reports that anywhere from 100,000 more people may move just to Durham, not to yeah. Raleigh, Durham, none of that. Durham proper, yeah. which is a lot of people when yeah. you think about that. Yeah. Not all of them are going to look like what Durham has traditionally looked like. That's right. So, you know, we talk about bringing people together, making experiences and opportunities equitable for people and accessible for people. You know, what do you see that look like, you know? traditionally like as has it let me ask this again how has it looked like previously for you in terms of bringing people together who maybe wouldn't always share the same space even Mm -hmm. though they live in the same city Mm -hmm. and what do you feel like that's going to look like going forward as we have people from just all over the country and possibly all over the world coming here to live and to work and who also want to experience Durham for all that Durham is so wow that's a good loaded (laughs) question um Honestly, so when I was growing up, Durham uh, was over 50% black. And um, through the years, that percentage has started to dwindle. I think now we're somewhere around 35%. Mm-hmm. Um, 38, somewhere between 35 and 38%. And moving forward, it's going to become more um, Asian, mm-hmm. right? So that's who is buying up a lot of the property because we have Google, we've got Apple coming, I think Nike's here, mm-hmm. Amazon, it's, it's a bunch of companies that are coming. And um, investors are starting to, you know, pay attention. Mm-hmm. The blessing of not necessarily being discovered until recent was that Durham had the ability to really create its own culture and its own microcosm of energy. Mm-hmm. And that is attractive. Yes. The more that um, people move here, unless those pockets of culture and those pockets of influence like your artists, your musicians, your creatives are protected and have a space where they feel comfortable and welcome, the culture changes. And when the culture changes, the city changes. And that is what a lot of um, our decision makers in government do not recognize. What they then do is once they realize that it's gone, they try to remanufacture it. And it's not authentic. 
Mm-hmm. And we've seen this play itself out in all these different cities like Austin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, Durham is becoming uh, or is not even becoming is now very challenging for those people that kept the city alive and going to live in because the cost of living has skyrocketed here. And um, that's sad. Mm -hmm. It's sad. And, And there has to be someone that is willing to fight for those people, right? The, uh, they're not even the underdog, right? Because they are the ones that kept the city going mm-hmm. when nobody, when it was undesirable to be downtown. Correct. When downtown was scary, a scary place to be. And now we're like, ah, you know, get in where you fit in. Yeah. And that's unfair. Yeah. That's unfair. Um, so it is my hope that there will be someone who will at least kind of step up. Um, I'm doing my part, but again, it's not just about me. It's about the community, you know, rallying behind um, our creatives and making sure that they feel at home. And it's not a diss to anybody who is moving here, right? Because you all moved here because you love the culture, right? Mm -hmm. What it is saying, though, is that once you get here, we have to support those creatives and those people that actually created that vibe in the city. And that, I think, is the challenge of, like, as people move into the city, it is our responsibility as a community to indoctrinate them into the community that we already have and to, you know, build the connection that way as opposed to completely wiping it out to attract people who are coming for that culture, right? And mm-hmm. then trying to add it back in. Um, I think that equation is a little backwards. It is. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, I don't, in other places in history, when people, the, I don't say the minority culture, but the native culture has had an influx of people come in, trying to preserve that culture has been very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Because they're also coming in with their own perception of what the culture that they want to see. That part, right. That so it's kind of, it's, um, it's a tricky situation. Uh-huh. It is tricky. <laughs> yeah. It is tricky. And, yeah. and you know what? At the end of the day, um, I actually had this this guy who moved here from Mi- Michigan. I think this was 2019, and I had a conversation. He moved from Michigan, brand spanking new to the city. I think he it was under a month, and uh, ended up getting connected to me. Um, and one of the things he said, he came to every single event that I hosted. And he's like, how in the world are you able to keep these events so diverse? Like I'm meeting so many people, black, white, Asian, Latina, like, and I can't figure out how you're able to do it. And I've gone to other events and it's either white, all white, all black. And I just, you know, and he was a, he was a white guy. And I told him, really, it's me. Yeah. That because I can I was always that person. I was always even in high school. I had all these different cliques and I could I could literally pop into a clique and bring them along with me. And now, granted, everybody doesn't mix friends. I I do. Right. Because if you're around me, you should have the same type of energy I have. Mm -hmm. And most people seem to like connect well when I'm kind of in the in the middle. Um, 
which is a lot of weight, I would like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's because I know how to program it to where I know what is um, the synergy between different pockets. Mm-hmm. And he he agreed. And still to this day, like we'll every once in a while, he'll text and check in and say, Hey, I went to this. Did you know about this? And now he knows more about the events going on in the city than I do. But it was because he met me and I was able to connect him to different people that he typically would never have had a conversation with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember there was a, I wouldn't even call it a co-working space. It was more like a social club. Or you could work. Union. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love the union. Yeah. <laughs> that was one yeah. of the first co-working spaces I went to, yeah. if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. when I first moved here. And that place, they they were doing really well. People mm-hmm. were starting to kind of discover it a little bit. And then they opened up a second spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went under because they were attached to WeWork, and WeWork was having trouble. Mm. This is the narrative that we're going with for the sake of this conversation. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is the narrative. So the thing about that is like there, I, I feel like that being my first kind of introduction to Durham yeah. as a community and as a community space was really good for me because that was a really diverse yeah. like group of people, group place. And then they were kind of approaching it differently from, I would say, a lot of community oriented events that we're kind of starting to see now, which are a lot of networking events, Mm -hmm. which are a lot of, um, I would say, pointed kind of clicky events, like you were saying, like it's either all one thing or all nothing. Yeah. Mood Fest, you know what I'm saying? Uh, We're not going to call names, but we know. um, That aren't really like everybody come together and enjoy and meet other people who have like interests. Um, And so when it comes to that and the events that you create with virtual events and things like that, you know, obviously you do stuff for clients, but you also do things for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So how has that experience been now? You know, even as you're, you know, like going along and it's like, yes, it is you. But how are you meeting these people and bringing them in and saying like, hey, I'm having an event. Yeah. Come bring some people. It's word of mouth. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I can't do it. I can't say that I do it alone. I it is me. Yes. Masterminding the experience and designing it. Mm -hmm. Um. But those people that are on my social media, those people that support anything that I do, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are, are, are doing the, you know, mm-hmm. the word of mouth and talking about their experience. And um, I, honestly, I'm just I'm so blessed and grateful that people trust me with their time mm-hmm. and. The fact that they're doing that, the fact that they're trusting me with their time means that I have to provide them with an atmosphere and an experience that they wouldn't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, they start talking, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I prefer word of mouth. And um, going back to Union, when I um, got to Union, I think they were... A month in, um, I had hired me to do uh, the programming. Mm -hmm. And so we went from, I don't know, maybe five events in a month to all the way up to 50 um, Mm -hmm. because 
I had so many ideas and they gave me the opportunity to create those ideas and, and put them out. Right. And um, I'm thankful that they trusted me with that. Right. Yeah. That they allowed me an opportunity to come in. But they were looking for someone and I embodied the mission that they had that they had put forth mm. and said, hey, we want to connect people. Perfect. Yeah. Who better to do that? Um and also, the other thing is, I, I believe in being responsible with my gift, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just about creating programming and events for one sole reason to make money. Right. Like, if that's the case, then, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You can do a whole lot of other things to, to make money. Um, for me, it is about, truly about authentic connections right and um yeah I I loved Union funny thing is Union was never meant to be co-working yeah it was just so comfortable for people that they wanted to spend their time there and that's what I mean by welcoming environments right and creating space for people yeah um Everything was intentional. And so when I went in, the space was already made, you know, was already created. And um, the people, there were people that were already there. My job was to just galvanize the people and to bring more in. And we were able to do that um, just from solely from relationships. Mm-hmm. And honestly, people, when they see me, they know I'm not in a space that's not going to be welcoming for them. Okay. Um, I am a gateway and that's what I prefer to be. Right. I don't want to be a barrier. Yeah. And that, I think, was um I don't know. It was it was a it was a magical place. But that's not the only magical place we've been in. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um I really appreciate your distinction between being a gateway and a gatekeeper because mm-hmm. I think there's people that even now are starting to realize yes, the online space is great, connecting with people online is great, but to have someone who speaks on your behalf, who mm-hmm. understands you, who knows you, who takes the time and effort to get to know you and presents you with opportunities that would be great for you, regardless of if they're going to benefit from it or not. That's right. Most of the time you won't. Right. And that is literally okay. Right. And understanding that that's what that means. Like that is a really big distinction even yeah. now because again we're in this influx where yeah you could be a gatekeeper and gatekeep Durham's culture but who is that really helping at the end of the day that's right um and so kind of going in that vein and talking about word of mouth and getting that out there mm-hmm. obviously we are still even now in a pandemic and you know things you've had to kind of I don't want to say pivot. Everybody used the word pivot, but yeah. just like really transition to bringing that experience into the virtual space online and making sure that things are still seamless. And I think that this really translates not just for people who are in the service-based industry, but also people who have products. Because right. now, like Amazon orders went through the roof. Yeah. People ordering from Amazon. People using. Uber Eats, people ordering their groceries on Instacart, things like that. Everything is a click away now. And people are now so, people and organizations are now so more than ever concerned about, it's not just about the product or the event, right? It's more so about the experience that people have when they work with you. How easy is it for me to order from you and to get in touch with you? How easy is it and clear is it? what I'm going to get from you when I pay X amount of dollars, Yeah. right? And those are things that 
have nothing to do with being great. That's right. Honestly. That's right. It has everything to do with creating a system and creating right. an experience yes. that people want to repeat. Right. All right. So can you talk to me about your kind of thought process and your approach to creating that from the ground up, regardless of whatever the event is, yeah. knowing that whoever works with you, whoever comes to your event is going to have a similar experience? Yeah. Honestly, uh, I, I'm going to be honest. It is not easy to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that. I, I know that, and the thing is, regardless of whether it's easy or not, it's got to be intentional, and some people just want that quick, fast, hurry, and I don't like to be rushed, mm -hmm. right, and I am at my core an artist. I am at my core a creative. Mm -hmm. And creatives are a little weird, right? <laughs> and so, and creatives like to flow and they don't necessarily uh, traditionally, not, not necessarily, traditionally have not been those that appreciate systems and processes. Correct. Okay? And so to know that is to know that their zone of creative genius does not always look the same. Mm -hmm. For us, um, for the production side and, and virtue events, everything is based around me. I'm the nucleus, mm -hmm. right? And that is the part that I'm trying to, I've tried and tried and tried to kind of like separate joy from virtue events and it be like, hey, call virtue, not joy. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just to, to delineate that. Mm -hmm. And as much as I've tried, I've gone through rebrands, I've gone through a lot of different things and different processes. The reality is I am the one that powers it. Mm -hmm. And I know that now. And so instead of running away from it, I need to run towards it. And what does that look like? That looks like me actually setting up my framework, my system, according to what feeds me life, mm. not building a business that then I lose a part of myself to execute. Does that make sense? It does. And also, and that is, that's like a new revelation, right? We're talking about, I've been in business for 25 years and that is new. Mm -hmm. um, I was trying to morph in early on, was morphing into what other, um, event planners were doing, right? Like every event planner that I know has one sing singular focus, either weddings, either corporate, either academia, um, either music festivals, either nonprofits, right? Mm -hmm. And I love working with all of them. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to build my company in a way that would allow me the flexibility to be able to work with all these different types of people. Because then guess what? I can start to bring friends to, you know, together in different sectors and that is not easy mm -mm. and it's still not easy. It's actually quite hard mm. to do, but you have to only focus, you have to keep the main thing, the main thing and focus on one at a time and get that workflow and that system down packed so that that sector can move slow, move, uh, seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And then with the weddings, you know, that's how I got started in events. Well, that's the easiest thing for me to book and execute, right? Because it's in the back of my head. I can do it with my eyes closed. Like I have planned weddings in two weeks from ground up, but 
that, even though the weddings, and, and it's so funny that you bring this up, I cross-train everybody on our team. They have to start off in weddings. Hmm. Why, you ask? Is because weddings are emotional. Yes. Typically, there are only two times in one's life where they are in a room and for multiple hours at a time with people they don't know and or like, and that is a wedding and a funeral. Mm. So you're able to manage, you have to manage multiple personalities, right? So that teaches you critical thinking skills. All of these are transferable skills that can go in all these other different sectors, right? Corporate events, music festivals. There's never going to be anyone anywhere or any type of event where there's just one singular type of person. Mm -hmm. But the weddings taught me is that I had to be able to, um, I hate to say it in this way, but code switch and be able to understand and listen and hear what the client wants, but also to be on the other side of the table and hear what the guests are saying, Mm -hmm. right? Did I nail the vision of the client, right? And so um, that is how I pretty much got my start. And I've kept that as a part of our core values, right, for virtue. And that is to make sure that, like, diversity and inclusive meritocracy and and equality um, and equity are the baseline of everything that we do anyway. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not those things, if it doesn't fit down our core values, then no, like, we can't do it. But what I didn't realize until recently is that all those core values are attributes of me. And so unless I now that's the lens by which I look at an event, if someone calls me and it's like, hey, I want to do this event. If I don't if I don't go down that checklist, I will end up being stuck doing an event that I cannot connect with on an energy level or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And that help that stifles my creativity right yeah so really at the core of what I'm hearing and what you are saying is that you know what you're trying to build a business that supports your life and things that you're interested in rather than building a business that runs your life and takes energy from you and I think that is a very interesting crux of your decision-making process when you look at the work that you take on because again if you listen on social media everybody's saying niche down you know focus on one two Mm -hmm. maybe three things max you know only focus on those things only talk about those things because that's what your target audience is gonna all these other things and they're maybe not wrong yeah but that's not the only way yeah right and so that can't be the only way that you're making decisions for you and I think that's very important too because even as creatives I think or let's just say I started off as as a photographer only you know I was doing everything when I first got started see what I like see what I don't like see what type of people I get along best with see what type of people I don't really get along best with or maybe I need to try a little harder in order to be able to resonate with them and work with them and communicate with them and what are some of the things that are just straight up non-starters for me but what are like the bare minimum requirements for me to work on certain projects and stuff like that and that's kind of how I've moved forward and I think that is 
kind of what you were saying too. It's like I've done it all. Yeah. I like doing it all. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm going to do everything that comes to me. That's right. You know what I mean? And so there is still some way to kind of tease out what is going to be a good project or what is going to be a good client or relationship That's for right. me to develop as you kind of move forward and move more into who you are, understanding who you are, understanding what makes you happy, understanding where you know you excel and exceed and can exceed expectations. Yeah. Um, that's really important too. I think there's definitely people who are fine with doing okay. Yeah. I did an okay job. Yeah. I got paid. Yeah. But would they hire me again? Yeah. Would I want to work with them again? Yeah. Do I, did I really put in the effort to get to know them? Yeah. Those are completely different things. Yeah. Yeah. And and at the baseline of everything is the relationship. Yeah. Right. And so. Um. Yeah. I I think from for me. I'm known in different circles for different things mm-hmm. and that's okay. Cause they're all a part of me, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they're a part of the service that I offer. Everyone can experience the same thing and same person differently. Yeah. Right. Like the way that I experience my parents and the way that my siblings experience my parents is totally different. Right. And so it's the same with business. And I don't think that people consider that enough. It's like, what is your experience with them? And also I think it's fair to say that you can have an off day. Yes. You can have an off week. You can have an off month. You can have an off year. And I mean, there are some people who their experience with me might not be as joyful, pun intended. And it's because of I might have been oppressed. I might have been sick. Like it didn't matter. And there used to be an there used to be a time when I didn't consider myself. I was so busy trying to make sure that they were happy and to make sure that I did what they needed to get done. And then, and I mean, down to, I mean, I've paid for people's events when they didn't have budgets. I've pretty much worked for free. I've done a lot of things. And, and initially I would be upset and mad and resentful, but they didn't ask me to do that. I decided to do that because I had something in my head And I wanted to see it happen for them. And what I realized is that after I did all that work or after I spent all that time or after I worked through being sick and tired and spent my own money to do things, they they didn't appreciate it. Mm -mm. They didn't appreciate the sacrifice I had to go through to make their event and their... um, process easier and one that's hurtful but two what it made me stop and do is to examine myself why did I continue why did I push forward why did I whatever action I took why did I do that Mm -hmm. and I think for me, it was, I really, it's a strong desire for everyone to win. I want to see everyone win. Like, that is my strongest desire. And if I'm in a position to help someone, I want to do it. What I had to realize is it cannot be at the sacrifice of me. Yes. And I was sacrificing me. And so after the fact, after I've accomplished this thing and done all these things and I've sacrificed it, 
the fact that I didn't respect and love myself enough to say no or to push back or to focus on myself, why would I expect anybody else to do the same? They're going to do exactly what I do. They're following my cue and my lead, which is thank you, patting me on the head, like thank you for doing our little thing. You know, we're going to focus on that thing. We're going to take credit for that thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're kind of left out in the dust. Now I've switched that to support me, Mm -hmm. right? I'm the talent. Mm -hmm. And for you to get my talent, you're going to have to pay a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to behave in a certain way, right? In In order for me to do my work, you just need to... Tell me what you want and then back away and let me do what I do. Yeah. Um, And my clients know that. They know how I operate. And I give them all that up front. Like, hey, this is what I need to do. I am going to, everything you tell me, that's what I'm going to execute. Yeah. You will literally, and we're sitting in American Underground. American Underground, I don't think as many events as I planned for them, I don't think we had a, like, call over 30 minutes mm. of hey joy this is what i need this is the day and then just tell us what to do and they show up mm-hmm. so it's the same i think also knowing who your client is is going to be very important for that as well yeah so what you really were getting at are two different things right one is understanding your understanding that putting and prioritizing your own health and your own needs personally and professionally is not selfish that's right which I think a lot of women in particular struggle with. Yeah. And then, oh, you can't afford it? Okay, cool, bye. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. 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 I promise you they don't yeah. care. Women, we're like, we're, I won't say we're people pleasers, but we are definitely more relationship oriented. We're yeah. like, okay, this isn't perfect, yeah. but how can I make it work? How yeah. can I meet their needs? Yeah. How can I do things for them that would yeah. make them happy? Even if it's not 100% of what I feel is best yeah. or what I know to be true and know that it's going to work best and present best and give the best experience. We're going to get back to that. I want, I want to say one thing about yeah. that is specific to black women. Mm. Black women are nurturers. Yeah. Historically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we have ushered in what America is now. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm talking about all the way from the housekeeper to, you know, the nanny. Like that is who we are. That is in our DNA. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, I think that there is a a level of celebration that has to be in that, right? It's because, you know, the ancestors know what they're doing. So so we don't want to be like, oh, no, we don't need to nurture it. No, that that is a part of who we are. Right. Inherently. What I am saying is to care enough about how you feel, because that right there is what sets your energy and your tone for your for you personally and your business. Yeah. And as it, it, the minute that you sacrifice that for someone else, there's nothing that you can get back out of that. Like no event is going to be that amazing that I personally cannot benefit from that's going to make me feel good mm-hmm. after that event is done. Mm-hmm. There is no way. Yeah. I've tried it. Tried it. Mm-hmm. But in order for me to feel adequately compensated, 
supported from the client's perspective, like, hey, this is what I need. You give it to me so that I can execute to then being able to turn around a product and a service that brings them joy. That is a positive exchange. And I think what is the most critical part is that I don't charge for my time. I'm charging for 25 years of tried and true experience. Mm. And yes, my prices are probably going to be quite high, but that's because after you give me the vision, you can walk away and I don't really need you until you show up the day of. Mm -hmm. I can execute it just off of what you tell me you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important to note is that people need to recognize that it's not just, you're not exchanging time for money. No, like, no, Mm -hmm. no, you can't do that. Um, It's about the experience. Yeah. And what you did to get to where you are for them to hire you. Yeah. Yeah. So the second part of that, which you went into a little more detail here, is educating clients. Yeah. Right? So when people ask you, well, what's your price for this? Well, it's not just about what is my price for this. It's what you're getting for this amount of money. Yeah. Right? Um, And I think that's something that, again, early stage entrepreneurs really struggle with because it's like, well, how do I justify raising my rates? Yeah. How do I justify the scope of work for this amount of money, right? Uh, How do I bring into account my experience into a budget for something, right? So these are all things, and I think, again, and I have had to learn this and I'm still learning this currently. It's like, okay, how do I be consistent, provide a consistent product, provide a consistent experience, but also understand that every time I do something, that's adding to my experience. So I'm ready to raise my rates. I need to be ready to have that conversation as well um, with clients, and especially with repeat clients, right? Especially with them, yeah. You know, because you want to keep them happy because they keep coming back to you. Yes. But it's also like, hey, I know we did this last one for this amount, but this next one, you know, I'm raising my rates as of whatever date. This is what the new price is going to be. Let me know if that works for you. Yeah. Um, And having and stepping into that confidence is not, again, this isn't selfish for me to want to be able to take care of myself and and be paid in accordance with my experience and with my expertise. You know, it's also saying, like, this is what I'm also going to need. And I hate to say it like this, but it's the truth. This is what I need to be happy to be working with you. Yeah. Right? Like that. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And you know what? I, I find often and it nothing upsets me more than when someone says like if I refer them to a vendor and they're like oh they're too expensive what like like, what do you mean they're too expensive it's just that you don't want to pay that price yeah say that yeah don't say that they're too expensive I cannot that and I and I correct people often who do use those words is because too expensive is a frame of mind mm. and that is that you don't value them yeah so that's the perspective you may feel like they're charging more than what you feel like you're getting out of it right and so it goes back to being able to really have those conversations as an entrepreneur as a service provider as a creator whatever yeah this is a value 
of everything that you're going to get for yeah. this amount. That's right. Because uh, I think that expensive, you know, they'll say that. Yeah. And they'll turn around and pay somebody else that because they feel like they're getting more. Come on now. You know? So it's kind of like, <laughs> Come is on it now. really expensive or do you just not feel like yeah. you're getting what you would be paying for? Yeah, it? and name recognition, right? So, like, they'll pay extra. I mean, case in point, especially with weddings, yeah. right? Like, you can be a seasoned wedding planner, black woman. A white woman can have no experience start a wedding planning business and surpass you in the same year. Mm -hmm. I've watched it done with no experience. Mm -hmm. And and then, but it's because of their network, right? It's mm -hmm. like, oh, I can get, I can get all my friends or my sorority sisters to support me. And it works. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, the black woman yeah. She can't necessarily depend on her family and her church mm -hmm. and her network to support her yeah. in that first year of business. She's got to prove herself. And that, unfortunately, is all of our experiences, especially in black women. What are we always told when we grow up? You got to be that much better. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have to be that much more prepared. Or it's the opposite. She does have family and friends, but family and friends don't eat girl Microsoft. You know, they don't equal some business in RTP that you're doing an event for, right? So it's kind of like, okay, this person may not have any experience, but she had a friend that worked at yep. and hooked XYZ, her up. Yeah, XYZ and company. Her up. Yep. So it's like, oh, I want that person that's done this, Yep. you know, yep. versus maybe a small, smaller family or friend event. So it's kind of like that, too. It's like, don't discount right. the support that you may get from family or friends, but understand, like, in the long term, when you grow, that's probably not going to be right. Your your biggest referrals or your biggest you know claim to fame the events that you do for them yeah so. yeah and also you know for because we mentor planners and anyone in hospitality honestly caterers I think it's important for them to realize that like you have to go into it building the business that you want. And who, like your client avatar, who is your client? And that can change. You do not have to stay in that one like sector. Mm -hmm. You don't. If you find that, hey, you know, I'm doing weddings, but I can't stand it because people are rude. Okay, do something. Yeah, I mean, incorporate their rude too, just mm -hmm. to be clear. Um, but you can go into nonprofits. You can, you know, whatever your interest is, yeah. go in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, part of it, and I'll say this for people who may be in the service industry, a lot of people go into weddings for the money. Yeah. You know, and, they, no and, they'll, and, they'll, and they'll tell you, well, I don't want to do nonprofit work because there's no money in it. Yeah. Yeah. But but honestly, look look at my face. There there have been some wonderful. I have friends, and we do um, we do our talk on uh, what I wish I knew on Instagram, and so I'm starting off with event planners. Yeah. And there's some event planners that are like, yeah, I was making really good money, but I was stressed out all the time. Yeah. And there then there are other event planners that are like, actually, I subcontract with other event planners because my money was slow. You know what I mean? Everybody's experience is different. Yeah. Yeah. It is for sure. Um, I think that's a pretty good note to end on. You're doing some more. You've started your Instagram live talks. Can you yeah. tell people how to follow you on Instagram? Yes. So if you go to Instagram, uh, at Virtue Events, 
Uh, you can also follow me at Joy, J-O-Y-E, Spate, S-P-E-I-G-H-T. Um, we also have another Instagram, which is at Virtue Weddings. Um, I've got like five Instagram <laughs> she has pages. A lot. But, yeah, because I do everything. <laughs> um, you can also find me at joyspate.com or virtue events. Double E in the middle, S on the end.com. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay.